Hey guys, I'm Eric McLean. And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC football. Let's go. Happy Monday, everyone, and welcome into the Gramlich and McLean podcast. We are live at the Senior Bowl. So much content, so much fun. We are here in Mobile, Alabama, and we are covering every single thing you need to know about the Senior Bowl. We're very excited. Make sure you rate, review, follow on Apple Podcasts. And we have a very special guest today, Mac, and he has to do with the Senior Bowl, obviously, but I know, Eric McLean, you are fired up to be down here in Mobile. Come on, KG. It's about time. We've been talking about this for a couple of weeks now, and and now to finally be here to feel the buzz, the excitement of the Senior Bowl it's going to be so much fun. Cannot wait to see what this week holds. A ton of our guys are down here. Ten uh, really just esteemed student athletes that have done their business. Uh, they're not student athletes anymore. Excuse me. They they are now professionals seeking to be professionals. And I feel really good about this class. So I think they're going to hold it down. Basically, guys, what we're going to do this episode is talk to our great guest who knows a thing or two about a thing or two with this Senior Bowl. Dive into a couple of prospects with him. And then, oh, I'm giving hints. I'm giving him away. So you guys kind of know. <laughs> you've got it down to 50% of who it could be. Um, and then we're going to kind of give our synopsis of these athletes here at the Senior Bowl. KG, it's going to be a lot of fun. Mac, I hate to break something to you. Um, the name of our guest is in the title of the episode. Oh, people already know. Damn. <laughs> Crap. It's Jim Nagy. Come on, guys. Jim Senior Nagy. Bowl director, uh, executive director. He's awesome. Really enjoy his uh, conversation every time. But first, KG, before we jump into this intro, let's tell our friends about Duke's Mayo. Over the past 100 years, Duke's has continued to cultivate and celebrate its commitment to family recipes and bold Southern flavors. What's more Southern than Mobile? In addition to the flagship mayonnaise, which is still made according to American hero Mrs. Eugenia Duke's original recipe in Greenville, South Carolina, Duke's offers flavored mayonnaise, regionally inspired Southern sauces, and... Their brand new mustards, my favorite. Listen to these flavors. Spicy ground, brown sugar bourbon, smoky chipotle, and horseradish. My personal fave, Mac. That smoky chipotle is to die for. Come on, KG. I like that. Let me tell you something. Brown sugar bourbon, mustard, slather that all over some ribs as your binder. I cannot wait to experiment with that. I'm headed to Sumter, South Carolina after the Senior Bowl and I'm going to make some ribs. Cannot wait. It's going to be a big time. Uh, just because it Dukes, it adds that literal southern something that makes good things better, and only Dukes have it. It's delicious on sandwiches, salads, even the key baking ingredient in anything that you want to make down south. That thick, creamy texture, trusted since 1917. But let me tell you all something one more time. I'm going to Sumter. I have three racks of ribs waiting to be slathered, covered, whatever you can think of. But KG, I just can't wait to put it all over these ribs because then I'm going to add this unbelievable dust, this rub that is just going to soak in that meat. It's going to be so good. Guys, do yourself a favor. Go over to dukesmayo.com. Embrace the new flavors. Same twang. Only Eric McLean can turn a live read about mayo and southern sauces into a meat commercial. I absolutely love it. <laughs> That's right. It's a gift. It's a gift. It is a gift. All right. It's time to introduce our Duke's Mayo guest, executive director of the Senior Bowl, 
Jim Nagy. Before joining the Senior Bowl in 2018, Jim was an NFL scout for nearly two decades, winning Super Bowls with the Green Bay Packers, New England Patriots twice, and the Seattle Seahawks. Guys, the Senior Bowl has led the way when it comes to college all-star games for the past 70 years, but somehow Jim and his staff take it to another level year after year. Jim somehow also finds time to be a rock star for ESPN as a draft analyst. You will see him all across the ESPN family of networks in the next couple of months as we are leading up to the NFL draft. We really enjoyed this episode talking all things Senior Bowl. Let's go. Jim, my man, thank you so much for joining us back on the podcast. Uh, One of our few repeat guests. We really appreciate your time this morning. Yeah, Eric Kelly, great great being back on. Really, really looking forward to it. It is just crazy how quickly it feels like. This season has flown by. You know, I haven't been in this business for quite some time, but this season in particular, it's just flown by, and we're finally here. It's Senior Bowl week, uh, and for those who don't know, let's just set the bar. Why is the Senior Bowl... How, how does it stand out? Why is it the best collegiate all-star game that there is? Oh, that's a that's a self-serving question. I don't like that. Um, are you yeah, Are you it, happy? I started with that. That's the first thing I asked you. <laughs> I would I would just I would just say the tradition of it. Um, you know, you go back for this is our seventy third game. Um, you go back in the history of all the guy all the greats that have coached in the game. You know, we get the NFL coaching staffs. So that's always made our game a little different. So, you know, the Bill Walsh's, the Don Shula's, the Paul Brown's, like way back in history um, that have coached in this game. Some of the, you know, the obviously the all-time greats. And then the players, we have 56 Pro Football Hall of Famers that have played in the game. So, you know, I, and then just really our community, I would say, makes it different. Um, the game's been here for, we're going, this is year 72. It was actually in its first year in Jacksonville. Um, so it's been here the past 72 years. And there's just, a, it's part of the fabric of our community. Um, we've got a 400-person volunteer committee that comes in during game week and all the community stuff we do throughout the year. It's just, that's what makes this game special. Um, I've been to, I've been to all the other events and uh, just the community buy-in and the love for this game in our, in, in our area, in our region. Um, I think that's probably what makes it most different. Yeah. And that reminds me a little bit of the, I go to the ACC women's basketball tournament every year and Greensboro takes such pride in hosting that tournament. It's their event. Like it's personally right. theirs. And so that's what you have in, in Mobile. And I, I'm always curious about this process, Jim, and I think our listeners are as well. We've seen the board. You showed it to us last year. It was, it was pretty epic. Uh, you guys have your eyes on, on basically you know, every senior, every eligible senior out there. What ultimately helps you decide that a certain player deserves an invite to your senior bowl? Well, you know, Kelly, that's, that's a great question. Um, it is. It's. It's a. It can be a difficult process when you get to the end. When you're trying. I mean, some of the some guys are no brainers, right? Like you know, we grade these players just as an NFL team would. You know, it's important we have our process. We had seven former NFL scouts on our staff this year with 120 years of experience. So I, I believe that's more years of experience than any college department in the NFL had this year. Um, you know, we it was it was a great staff and. Um, you know, like I said, some of the early round guys, like like last year, Amari Rogers from Clemson, just bringing it back to Eric's school. I mean, he, Amari was an easy guy. Um, but when you get down to the end, you're trying to balance. Do we bring a four year starter from the ACC that, you know, that most of the teams should know by now if the guy started 48 career games in the ACC? Or do we bring Quinn Miners from Wisconsin Whitewater, who is a division three guy that the NFL really needs to figure out? I mean, that's 
I, I kind of, we serve the 32 teams, we serve the 32 GMs. I really, you know, the responsibility and the burden the, and, and, you know, just the challenge those 32 men have to make the decisions in April, um, I got a lot of respect for that. So anything we can do to help the process, and sometimes that is going the small school route on some of these guys. But yeah, those are those are some difficult decisions for sure. Okay, so I, I want to bring that up. Since, since you kind of laid it out there, you mentioned our ACC guy. Only 10 ACC guys this year? We had like 24, man. What, it, was, did some invites get lost in the mail? What happened there? Well, there's only five from the Pac-12, so well, they doubled them. <laughs> on, a, on a serious note, though, something that you also just brought up that, you know, I've kind of gone back and forth with a couple of years here, and, you know, kind of tell me your thoughts on this, because you were a scout for so long. We mentioned that in the intro, had great success, and then, you know, bringing it up right here, is there something to the NFL, okay, we have all this tape, we have a four-year starter at a place like Clemson, a three-year start, whatever it is. But then we have this unknown guy that that has shined for maybe two years or one year at this you know little no-name school. We think he has more potential. Is there something with the potential versus proven production that you know NFL guys just love for some reason? Because to me, when I see these particularly linemen who are drafted from the FCS and lower level in the first round, it's just always so head-scratching to me. Yeah, and you're gonna you're gonna see this year's group out of practice, Eric. You're gonna see some of these helmets you won't recognize. We've got North Dakota, we've got Northern Iowa, we have Fordham. Um, gosh, we've got you know you just group of five. We've got two Central Michigan, a Memphis, a Tulsa, um, so in Southern Utah. So just in that O line crew, that's a good example. Um, but yeah, that's where you weigh upside and ceiling against more of a proven commodity. And at what point do you try to take that shot on the upside? And that's why a week like this is so valuable because you're trying to you're trying to learn the person. I think I think the person dictates the ceiling. He can have you know whether he meets that ceiling or not. He can have athletic potential, and you can see that in the physical tools. But I think it takes something special inside in the makeup of the player, the competitive nature, if he's going to hit his ceiling or not. And that's why, and that's why this is a big week because the teams get to spend so much good time with these guys behind the scenes. Absolutely. And one more thing before we really dive into these, you know, ACC guys that will be with you. Um, how about the general pool this year? What was it a little bit more difficult? Did you notice more guys deciding to come back and, and just because of this extra year of eligibility, maybe being able to make some money with NIL or was this year kind of more of the same for you guys? Um, it was different. It sure was different. We had seven players that accepted invites last year that chose to come back for this year. You know, Kenny Pickett being being one of those guys. So I'm sure we'll get to Kenny. Um, but that that made it a little bit different. Um, so the pool was larger. I think we started this year. Usually, the previous three years that uh, we've been here, we've went into we've went into the college season with about 500 names on the board, roughly. And uh, and those are all glass half full grades. I mean, that'll thin out as we go through the season. You you always from a scouting perspective you'd rather push guys down than raise them up. Um, so we grade kind of glass half full over the spring and summer. Um, but this year we started with 700, over 700. So it was about 200 more names. It really didn't affect the top end of the board. Like those first three rounds, the numbers weren't any really any different than the previous three years. Where it got, where it got flooded was towards the bottom of the board. Those, you know, five to the fifth through seventh round guys, there was a lot more of those. So that made the challenge of, okay, there's all these guys that could get drafted that the league has late draftable grades on. Well, we're sitting here in November and early December trying to make those decisions before combine and medicals and everything. Like, who are those guys out of that group? We, we got to nail it. We got to get the right ones. So that was really the most challenging part of this year. 
700 names. That is that a record for you guys? For us, yeah. Yeah, and, and, there's, and there's guys that have worked their way up. Um, there's a couple guys from out of that 700 that have really come off the, you know, completely off the radar. Wow. So, but, but yeah, that was that was definitely the most we've had in uh, our four years here. All right, Jen, let's talk about what the people care about. Quarterbacks. That's what we care about for better or worse. And this is a this is a loaded class that you guys have coming down for the senior bowl. Ritter, Pickett, Strong, Willis, Zappy, Howe, like these are big time names. And of course, you know, Kenny Pickett, Sam Howell, those are two that really stand out to our listeners. What in both those guys, Pickett is a guy who's just shot up, but what specifically for each of those guys do you think they can gain? What do you think they can prove in Mobile for the week of the Senior Bowl? Yeah, those guys both, uh, you know, have a lot of uh, intrigue for, for different reasons, right? You know, so Kenny, a year ago, just talking about Kenny, when we when we talked through it, he accepted his invite. You know, he called me in December like, Jim, I'm, I'm struggling with this decision. Um, and I told him we had him in the fourth round. Uh, you know, and again, part of part of this job is relying on my relationships from the league. And, and the good thing is, after 20 years, those guys trust me. I mean, I would never divulge what team where they had him graded, but they'll tell me what rounds they have these guys in. That helps our process. And Kenny was a fourth or fifth round pick for everybody. You know, I mean, and so that decision to come back. I mean, I thought he could he could elevate himself. You know, a little bit. You always come back. You you know the offense better. Whatever whatever it might be. Uh, but to get all the way where he's gotten now, you know, his mid first round grades from some teams, late first round grades for most, early second, somewhere in that range. Um, it's a it's a monumental jump. It's kind of, you know, it's similar to Joe Burrow and Mac Jones, um, that those guys were day three guys as well coming out of their junior year. So, um, no, where Kenny really improved this this year, uh, you guys know he was banged up in 2020 at Pitt, couldn't move around well. Mobility was definitely affected. So he was he was able to escape, get out, buy more buy more chances outside the pocket. Um, he looked like he had more zip on the ball this year for sure. He had better weapons. He was, he was taking more shots downfield. So there's more explosive plays in the offense. Um, he wasn't having to force the issue as much. So the interceptions were down. Um, so yeah, Kenny. You know, in terms of this week, I think arm strength might be might be one thing teams want to see, especially the decision makers that haven't seen Kenny throw live. Um, let's face it, most of these GMs and you know, upper level director guys. I mean, they're 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 at their teams' games on Sundays. They're not out on the road on Saturdays going to college games. So that'll be that'll be big, you know. And then Kenny's such a cool kid. You guys have spent time around him, probably. Like he's got that it factor. He really does. I've just been around him at the Manning camp for three years now, and he's kind of the alpha of the alphas when you get him down there around those guys. So that will help him. Um, in Sam's case, it's just you know I think everyone had Sam as is a top half of the first round quarterback going into the year. And then you lose Javante Williams, you lose Michael Carter, you lose Daz Newsom, you lose Diami Brown. I mean, those are four guys that are are having an impact at the net in the in the NFL right now, especially the two running backs. So to not be able to turn around and hand the ball to one of those two guys, um, it affected him. You know, it's a supporting cast thing. I think Malik Willis is in kind of that same boat this year. Sam had to do a lot on his own. Um, I think we all know he's a twitchy passer. He's he's got a big arm. He's a good downfield thrower. I think it's a good thing this year. He got to show his athleticism. You know, he took off a lot. He showed his legs. He showed his toughness when he took off. You know, I mean, to his detriment, he probably has to learn how to slide a little better. But um, you know, he took a lot of he took a lot of shots. But he, he proved his toughness. He proved his athleticism. So now, just coming down here with a bunch of NFL, other NFL guys around him during the week, being protected, um, I think it's a big week for Sam to just show. Okay, what's what's it going to look like when he's got a bunch of dudes around him? Yeah, I, I don't think there's any question about that, Jim. And, and we all know, okay, quarterback is 
the most overdrafted position, right? Guys will take quarterbacks at, you know, ungodly numbers for ungodly reasons just because it's what they do. Um, right now, when you know, I've looked at probably six, seven mock drafts, and I'm sure you hate those, but three of these guys uh, or four of, of the QBs that I see in the first round, you guys have three of them, uh, and, and that's Willis, Pickett, and Hal. Is there anything that these guys can do this week to jump to the top ten, to where a team sees, okay, what they did at the Senior Bowl, we, we've got to have them. We need a quarterback, we've got to have them. Is there any way that that happens in the top ten? Or maybe even a team trades up, because if you look at the top ten, maybe there's only a couple of teams that need a QB. Do you see someone trading up for either three of these quarterbacks? Yeah, Eric, good question. I, I definitely see it happening. Uh, you know, and I would include Ritter and, and Carson Strong in that mix, too, because those guys have first-run grades with some teams we've talked to. So we literally have five guys coming down that, wow. depending on what team you talk to, they have first-run grades. And that what, that's what makes this game, this year's game so unique. I mean, we, we've had Russell Wilson and Josh Allen and Dak Prescott and so, some of the elite quarterbacks in this game over the last 10 years, uh, but never a year where there's, one, the volume of, of high-end guys and then the uncertainty. I think if you pulled 10 teams in the league, you might have a different stack where, you know, how they all kind of sort them out. So this will be really the first step of evaluating that position and and the valuable part of seeing these guys rep one after the other. Um, I think where these guys can all help themselves is how quickly they can learn the offense. I think last year, Mac Jones was really in the previous three years I've been here. He was the one guy that got it day one. You know, they're learning a new playbook. They're with new personnel. Mac's ability to get the ball out on time and accurately on Tuesday was something I hadn't seen before. Usually guys kind of have to a, a slow, gradual process. Like Tuesday can be a little rough. You know, Wednesday's a little better. Thursday's good in the game. You know, the guys guys can ball out in the game like we saw with Justin Herbert. Um, you know, this year, just come down here, have command. You know, um, you know, I think that group dynamics is a big, big part of the takeaway for teams too down here. You're with a bunch of new guys. I think that was big for Justin Herbert. There was questions about Justin you know, everyone threw out the word introverted with Justin, which was which was ridiculous. Um, you know, he was down here with a bunch of new guys all week, and it was the coolest scene for me during that Senior Bowl was post-game, Justin gets the MVP, and to see all the other teammates from around the country, you know, big, small, black, white, Polynesian, whatever it might be, like, he, he found a way in his own way during the week for teammates to really buy into him as a leader, and it was a really cool moment that the NFL Network captured on camera that year, so... I think those are the things that where these guys can really help themselves. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No doubt. That's really interesting on that, Jim. Let, let's talk about a few other guys. I guess we have to talk about some non-quarterbacks. Max Max forcing me here. Some linemen. Ugh. Um, but no, I'm just kidding. Jermaine Johnson. Jermaine Johnson is a dynamic guy who transferred to Florida State and just blew up, really benefited from that transfer. Um, what do you expect to see from him? And I think he's also a guy where you look at his intangibles, his leadership, things like that. What, what can Jermaine Johnson gain from a week at the Senior Bowl? I think when you have pass rush ability like Jermaine has, I think one-on-ones are, are made for both the O-line and the D-line to make money. Uh, uh, I don't still, know about that. I'd say the D-line. I don't know about us. We don't really get any benefit there. <laughs> well, it, it, the drill is set up for defense, Eric. I will give you that. There's no doubt. Um, I, I, like, who were you going up against in one-on-ones at Clemson? Were you, like, what were, who were the edge guys that you were going up against? Vic Beasley, Brenner? Shaq Lawson, Grady Jarrett, yeah. DJ Reader, you know, just, you know, decent guys in the league. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't remember if you were with those guys or you were with the era before. I mean, you've had so – Ricky Sapp and those guys. There's been so many good Clemson players. But, but no, it, the, the, there's a lot of money to be made in those one-on-ones. And, again, they don't – O-line or D-line, you don't have to win every rep. 
You know, if you're a, if you're a D lineman, if you put together like three or four really good rushes during the week, those are the things that the D line coaches are going to go back to the facility with and be like, oh yeah, remember that? Remember that rep? I can coach that. I can get that out of that guy. Um, you know, and same thing with the offensive linemen. They don't need to be perfect. You know, Creed Humphrey wasn't perfect last year from Oklahoma, and look what he's done in the NFL. He's the best center in the league as a rookie. Um, you know, he and he didn't win every single rep. So I think Jermaine can come down here in the Pastro stuff, help himself. Um, you know, again, dropping him, let him see him, see him in space a little bit. And the biggest thing with Jermaine is when you watch him, the thing that stands out is his motor. He's really a hard playing guy. I mean, there's other pass rushers in this draft that are better athletes than Jermaine, um, but he's just full charge, you know, full steam ahead. Um, so to see his practice habits and see his competitiveness and let the let the decision makers that are on the field kind of feel that presence. I mean, I think that's the value of scouting people live. Sometimes you don't just see it, you feel it. Um, and so let these guys feel his passion, his competitiveness um, will be important for Jermaine. I love that because I think that's going to just come oozing out because it's who he is. And, you know, we, we obviously just got one year with him, a couple of months with him. But just every time we spoke to Jermaine, that, that's just who he was, just a super passionate guy that it translates to the field very well. Let's go to the other line of scrimmage and, and look at Zion Johnson, a guy that I think is very intriguing. Six foot three, maybe six, two and a half. We'll see what you guys measure at. Uh, right at about 320. He's played left guard. He, he's played left tackle. I think he's the best guard in this year's draft. Do you plan on using that versatility this week? Is that his decision? How does that come into play? Could, could we see him in all five spots at any given time? Yeah, you know, actually, uh, uh, that's, a, that's a great point. I, I, I agree with you. I think he's the best pure guard in the draft. Uh, like you said, measurables-wise, it's not going to be what some other guys have, but uh, kind of reminds me of Rodney Hudson. When I was in Kansas City, we drafted Rodney Hudson out of Florida State, and obviously, I mean, guy could go to Canton one day. He's been to a you know a ton of Pro Bowls, and, and he's had a great NFL career. So I'm not trying to put Zion there, but he's he's a really good guard. You know, Rodney's kind of made his hay at center, and I think that's where Zion will probably cross train during the week. I think there's plans on letting him take reps at center to show he can do that. We've seen him play tackle. You know, he had his rough patches at tackle, especially in 2020 out there early in the year when he made that move. Um, but Zion's one of the cooler stories in the draft. I think we all know he came from Davidson, um, bet on himself, you know, a guy that didn't have any any offers out of high school and said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to BC. I'm going to, you know, O-line o- U. I mean, that's uh, there's a lot of schools that produce good offensive line talent. BC's certainly one of them. Um, so for Zion to come down here, hopefully he does well snapping, kind of like Robert Hainsey and Quinn Miners did last year, Hainsey from Notre Dame. Um, neither of those guys had never snapped in a competitive period in their life, and they came down here and made a ton of money doing it. Um, I think Zion's pretty locked in where he's going to go at guard, but if he can show he can play a little center, um, that makes him even more valuable. So um, it should it'll be a big week for Zion. I'm excited to see him. He's a really good player. Yeah, yeah, he he absolutely is. Is that kind of the player's decision, or do you guys present that to them in in regards to cross training? Maybe it's guard tackle, maybe it's guard center. Um, is that y'all's kind of thing, or do they come to you with that? Well, you know, you know, when we scout these players, you always they, you've always put that in your notes. Like here's a guy, whether it's a safety corner conversion or, or a safety linebacker hybrid conversion, um, you know, have that in your notes. And then that's kind of the process right now. We're getting our teams assigned. We've got the Jets and the Lions. You know, I'll, I'll be on a call with the general managers and talking through the players. OK, you know, what do you think about repping Zion at center? You know, I think most teams would like to see him there, you know, and they'll agree. But for the most part, sometimes disagree, but mostly agree. Um, and then once they get down here, that's on the coaching staff. It's like, I won't say anything to Robert Sala and Dan Campbell once we get down here, but we communicate that early. If a player's uncomfortable with it, um, we want to know that. We never want to put the guys in a position where they just don't want to do it. 
Um, that, that doesn't come up very much. There was one in players in last year's game that said, you know, I want to stay at this one spot. But I think the more open the guys are, the better off they are. From a league's perspective, and I tell all the players this, they don't expect you to be perfect. If you've never played center before, like they don't expect you to look like a guy that's played center for four years in college. What they, what they like is the fact that you're willing to embrace the challenge and, and you're, you're willing to put yourself out there and you've got the, the mental toughness and competitiveness to do that. I think that helps the players as much as anything, regardless of how they look playing it. Are you open-minded to doing it? Um, and is there buy-in? There, is there an immediate buy-in? So, um, yeah, that's kind of how all that goes down. That's fascinating. Okay, let's talk about uh, one more player here, Jim. And it's Mario Goodrich, who I don't know if anyone has ever made more money off of a Cheez-It Bowl. I'd have to go look back <laughs> and see. But, and, you know, he had a great year overall. I think at times maybe a little overshadowed by Andrew Booth, but was excellent in the Cheez-It Bowl. And he continues to rise up draft boards. What are you looking to see from Mario Goodrich? Yeah, he will continue to, to rise up draft boards, I'm pretty certain, because he, he did for us this year. You know, Mario was a guy to start the year. He would not have gotten a Senior Bowl invite. You know, he really worked. He really played his way into the game. Uh, you bring up Andrew Booth, who's, who's a great player. But you're right. I mean, sometimes those guys get overshadowed. Um, I think sometimes it can benefit the other corner. Like, we've got uh, – you know, we got Kobe Bryant from from Cincinnati in our game. And, you know, Kobe won the Thorpe Award this year playing opposite Sauce Gardner. Kobe got a lot of targets. You know, he had a lot of balls thrown his way, which is great. It got to you got to showcase his playmaking ability. And I think Mario had some of that as well. You know, he's a big long corner. Uh, uh, you know, Dabo hasn't been shy to talk about Mario's progression there at Clemson. You know, it didn't click for him right away. You know, you give the you give the kid a lot of credit that he did stick it out. He didn't jump in the portal. He stuck it stuck it out at Clemson. Um, but he's got all the tools. He's a long, easy-moving guy. He's efficient. He's an efficient mover, which isn't normal for a, a guy his size. Um, and he showed play playmaking ability this year, especially in that Cheez-It Bowl. I mean, those were those were huge turnovers that he played a part in to uh, win that game. So, um, yeah, big week for him. Yeah, again, I think he's going to guy that a guy that just keeps doing that through the process. Jim, great stuff. Before we let you go, I, I want to ask one final question about these. You know, new kind of development things that you guys are doing for staffs, uh, not only for the NFL staffs where guys are being, you know, kind of promoted to the head coaches and coordinator roles from other positions, and then your, your kind of initiative with the HBCUs. Just really cool things that you guys are doing, and 22 will be kind of the first year that these are implemented. Uh, yeah, so we had, we had a call with the league office over the summer. That's kind of where all this came up. You know, Troy Vincent from the league office had a great idea to kind of shuffle our staffs around. And uh, let the let Dan Campbell and, and Robert Sala promote guys from within. Uh, great career development. If you're, let's just use Detroit for an example. I don't know exactly who they're going to elevate into that spot, but they've got Deuce Staley, uh, the former South Carolina and great running back for the Philadelphia Eagles, as their assistant head coach and running backs coach. If they promoted him to head coach, I mean that might help Deuce. You know, you're going to have all these other GMs and decision makers down on the field. Maybe in next year's hiring cycle, they see what Deuce looked like in that leadership role, and he's a guy that gets an interview. Um, you know, you've got a D-line coach that gets promoted to D-coordinator for the week. So those are great things. And, you know, the other thing that came up on that call was, you know, there was a little little bit of concern on the NFL competition committee about the, the level of access to players during our week that, hey, are the two teams that, that coach the game, is that too unfair? Do they have too big of an advantage? Um, and I, my point was, no, they don't. You know, they've earned that, right? Like the NFL is a great league because of its parity. Um, I always go back to me being a kid. I was a Detroit Lions fan growing up in the late 70s and 80s. And, you know, I thought the Lions had a chance to win it every year. You know, I really did. You know, I thought, you know, having a great draft and drafting Barry Sanders, like, man, we're going to the Super Bowl next year. 
Um, but, but the league is great. The NFL is great because of parity. And I think that the Senior Bowl coaching staff process is one of those hidden things that a lot of people don't think about. Um, but it really helps. You know, a couple of years ago, San Francisco was down here coaching in our game with the number four overall pick. And the next year, they're in Miami for the Super Bowl. You know, they draft, they draft Debo Samuel. They draft Javon Kinlaw. So, you know, those, those were great picks that helped turn around that franchise. And so to, now to, to alleviate that concern, if you have concerns, you don't have the same level of info, let's take four HBCU coaches, plug two into each side. So they're going to be on the field every day with these guys. They're going to be in, in, in player meetings at night, the team meetings with the staff, and taking diligent notes. So now you've got four guys leaving Mobile that the other 30 GMs can reach out to and connect with, get the inside information, what was going on behind the scenes, and hopefully make a connection for those four individuals that maybe they can land a shot in the NFL um, if, if they choose to do that. So could be a, a really cool develop, developmental opportunity for those HBCU coaches as well. It's just so cool. And when I first asked you that question, what makes you guys the best, that, that's certainly one of the reasons. I mean, the, the things that you guys are doing, growing as, as just a, a game, giving more opportunity, it's so fun, man. And, and it was great talking with you. Really appreciate your analysis and breakdown. Cannot wait to see the rest of this week as we continue in the Senior Bowl. Yeah, Eric Kelly, thank you so much. Great having you down here in Mobile. Uh, it's going to be an awesome week. Thank you, guys. Big shout out to Jim. Always love having him on the podcast. Just the insight that he brings. And uh, thank you for Molly Middleton getting this set up. Molly has been a saint throughout this entire process. Really appreciate her help and hard work. Uh, She's been killing it down at the Senior Bowl and everything they have going on this week. But KG really enjoyed that conversation. And it's fun to hear you know, somebody that has been in that world, right? He, he's been a scout for many, many years and still, you know, has that in his DNA with what he's doing. So, you know, to kind of hear the, you know, the ways that he would look at guys and, and to understand, okay, what a week like the Senior Bowl can really do for you. Of those four prospects that, that we kind of covered or, or five guys that we kind of covered with Jim, KG, who, who are you the most favorite to see or, or most excited to see this week at the Senior Bowl? Oh, that's don't, a great. Don't just question. say a quarterback, by the way. Don't don't just give me a quarterback because that I'll I'll cry right here on the podcast. Well, I was gonna start and say the quarterbacks, obviously, but let me move beyond that. Okay, let me move beyond that because Kenny Pickett, Sam Howell, they're going to be the talk of Mobile in many respects, along with these other quarterbacks. But when we get beyond that, I, I'm very intrigued to see Mario Goodrich because I think his stock has really shot up the last couple of months. And so can he build on that and really impress in the practice setting? And of course, being around the NFL um, administration and staff and everything. And then I think Jermaine Johnson is a very interesting guy here because this is a guy who transferred and really wasn't, I mean, was nowhere near a first round pick, like in that realm. He went to FSU, blew up, first of all, a great um, advertising pitch for FSU, by the way, with the portal. And he is a picture-perfect DN in many respects. So he's going to look very impressive just on the practice field. And then what Jim told us is, look, you don't have to be perfect on every rep. You have to put together a few reps that the NFL can get very excited about. So I think he has a ton to gain because right now he's some have him projected at the end of the first round. Can he solidify that? That would be huge for him. So I think Jermaine Johnson is probably the one that really stands out, Mac. What about you? 
I love what you just said there because I'm exactly I'm right with you. I think when I when I'm I'm picturing the two guys that can rise the most that that have you know a lot to gain from this week and really the pre-draft process, the two guys that I think about are Jermaine Johnson from Florida State and Mario Goodrich. So I kind of have this broken down, guys, as as who I think is our potential first round picks. And and when you look at that, Jermaine Johnson's right there. He he is right at the end. Of the first round, I've seen him in a ton of mock drafts, which you know some of these scouts and and guys you know kind of roll their eyes at because they're like, what do these guys know? But you know they they are somewhat accurate, um, and I think he's got a really really good opportunity here. His motor is really going to show up this week. His leadership, we saw that really emerge at Florida State and and take just another step in the right direction. And, and I think just the fact that as KG, as you said, the perfect defensive end at six five two sixty five. His explosion, obviously great as a pass rusher, but also in run support. I mean, that's really important when you think of NFL, Mr. Do-It-All, a guy that can be on the on the field for three downs, four downs, not just you know on third down as a rush defensive end or situational. This guy can do it all. And, and he showed up time and time again in run support and, and had a very high sack rate, but also TFL you know, kind of production numbers there. So really excited to see Jermaine. Um, and then Mario, I kind of have as a fringe guy. You know, right now, I think probably third round is is where he is. But as you said, I mean, he's skyrocketing. There was probably going into this season, he's probably a six-round, seventh-round pick. Now, all the way up to three, can he make his way into the second, maybe the back end of the first with with how he performs at the Senior Bowl, gets in front of some of these guys, and then ultimately, I'm sure there'll be a combine invite down the road. But the length, the, the, he's a technician, really has a great job in, in you know press coverage, but also has zone instincts. So he, he's a fantastic corner. It's going to be really fun to see how does he do against this elite level of quarterback play that is at the Senior Bowl. Because as we mentioned with Jim, there's four guys here that, that are going to be potential first-round draft picks that he's going to be going against, whether it's practice or then fast-forward in the game. And I'm not sure what the crossover – you know, really looks like we should have probably asked Jim about that, you know, with the, the skills and drills or things that they do, you know, will these guys see each other throughout the entire week? So it's going to be fascinating to, to really see how this week goes, but let's get to quarterbacks, KG. Um, and I want to start with Kenny Pickett because what we saw from him this season, I, I don't want to say unprecedented because I think Joe Burrow did something very similar, maybe to a, another level. Um, but Kenny, I mean, has made himself so much money. I want to ask you this. Do you think he's going to be the first quarterback taken? And if he is, is it going to be in the top 10? That's a great question. First of all, let me add this with the Joe Burrow thing. Yes, Joe Burrow and Kenny Pickett, very similar trajectories. But Joe Burrow, and this is not a knock on Joe because, look, dude is balling. Joe Burrow surrounded by five stars, skill-wise. Kenny Pickett, not. So that's, a, that's where it's a little different. That's true. Very Jordan true. Blitnikoff, I mean, no scrub, but he wasn't a five-star where you've got Jamar Chase and you've got Edwards Alaire and Justin Jefferson and all these dudes that ended up being first-round picks. But, um, okay, so back to Kenny Pickett. Mac, I think right now he is the first quarterback taken. Now, let's see how the combine goes. First of all, let's see how the senior bowl goes, of course. Let's see how the combine goes because I think the, the guy that's in some ways breathing down his neck at least from what I've seen, is Matt Corral. And we'll see who impresses the most. Now, look, having spoken to Kenny Pickett a few times on this podcast, it would be very shocking to me if a quarterback goes in a room with the 
staff and the, you know, the higher level people from a, an organization. And if a quarterback can impress more than Kenny Pickett, because he is going to walk in rooms and he's going to command rooms. He's 23, 24 years old. He just got engaged, by the way. Congrats, Kenny Pickett. He, he's an adult. Like, he is a man. And I think he can be a leader of men. And I think he's really going to impress in all of that stuff, the off-the-field stuff. So I do think right now he's the first quarterback taken. Personally, as someone who lives in – and I'm not a Panthers fan, but I'm in the Panthers region. I would love to see the Panthers take him. But, of course, the Panthers are just going to draft defensive players in the first round until the end of time. <laughs> <laughs> who the heck knows? But I would love to see the Panthers. I've seen the Broncos, the Broncos who are constantly messing up quarterbacks. I don't know if I want to see that, but I do think he's the first one taken, Mac. What about you? I, I like that, KG. I'm with you. I, I think he's going to be the first quarterback taken. I do think it's going to be in the top 10. Listen, th this is a quarterback-driven league. Somebody is going to trade up. Somebody who's already there is going to take a quarterback. It's going to be Kenny Pickett. And, and I think for all the reasons that you've seen all year, Plus what you just said, KG, when these GMs, when these scouts, when these coaches get into a room with Kenny and go through a, a, a board, they, they go on the board, they show protections, they show coverages, and just talking to him, the way that he commands himself, exactly what you were just saying. But this guy is extremely cerebral. He can make every throw. Uh, the accuracy plus anticipation, I think, is is his biggest trait because in the NFL, wide open is a, is a margin of inches. In college, you know, it's different. NFL, you have to expect, assume, know that your guy's going to be in the right place where he's supposed to be, and you throw it and trust that that's going to happen. And that's what I've seen from him time and time again this year. His mobility, his pocket presence. I mean, he, he just – there are so many instances, KG, when you watch his film where it's just like clockwork. One, two, three, boom, got to go. I got to move the pocket. I got to escape. And whether I'm going to pick up yards with my legs or extend the play – and deliver a strike downfield. I mean, the, the Clemson game is an absolute clinic, and, and that's one of the best defenses in the country time and time again. So that's all you need to watch to understand this guy can thrive at the next level. The one thing that will be interesting to see, okay, if we have to have a knock, if we have to critique something, I think his arm strength overall and then his hand size. I think that is going to come up, as silly as that is. But the same thing happened with Joe Burrow. That They said the exact same thing. So Kenny's going to be fine. I do think he's going to be the first quarterback taken, and I do think it'll be in the top 10. I think one of my favorite conversation topics around the NFL draft is hand size. It's hilarious. They act like these guys have miniature hands. Like, they can't even hold a football. <laughs> How has this man brought a football his whole life? His hands are the size of a two-year-old. Right. What are we <laughs> okay. That's my favorite. That's my favorite. It's so funny. Speaking of quarterbacks, Mac, um, what does Sam Howell need to, need to prove this week in Mobile? You know, I think that when you see Sam and you look at last year compared to this year, you know, it, it was very different because of the weapons that he had versus didn't have. And I think when, when you put him in a, an all-star setting and you put him where there's a ton of guys, I just have to imagine that he's going to thrive. And, and he's the type of quarterback that you just want to play with because he can throw it farther as anybody can. He has an absolute cannon of an arm. And I say that with kind of an asterisk because it's not like uh, that's all he can do. He can make every throw. He has unbelievable touch. He has shown time and time again – Oh, I'm getting this to to a, a tight end in the flats or a, a quarterback, in, or excuse me, a running back in the flats. 
I just got to dink it. I can't rocket launch that thing out there. So he has demonstrated unbelievable touch, understands how to throw the football in certain situations. I think he showed great mobility this season, something that maybe in years past wasn't as evident. Uh, but the biggest thing that's going to be in, again, just not knowing the the setting or the the particular drills, but pocket presence is going to be a big thing, probably more so in the game, uh, but just understanding that, have to get the ball out. I'm not bigger, faster, stronger than these guys, especially in this setting, especially at the next level. I have to get rid of the ball. I can't take 48 sacks, whatever the number was, because that's going to hurt my team. And just knowing when to get down, knowing when to slide. I mean, he was like a fullback at times running that football. When you get paid $50 million, bud, get out of bounds, get down, protect yourself. And and he'll get that. He'll understand that. Um, So I, I think Sam certainly can sneak into the first round, which, you know, there, there was a big question in the middle of the season where I was like, I don't know if this is going to happen or not, but I'm looking at the Steelers at the back half. I'm looking at Detroit at 31 or maybe even someone trading up and, and grabbing him. But I do think Sam's going to sneak into the first round. By the way, this is, we're recording this a little early. And so for Wednesday and Friday's episodes, we will have a full breakdown of what happened in practice and what the drills looked like, who was going against who, who looked good. We, we're we very excited to bring you that, so stay tuned. That's right, KG, and we will also have a quarterback savant, if you will, a newly, and KG doesn't even know this. I'm breaking news to KG as we're live doing a podcast. Jordan Reed, who is new to ESPN, will Ooh. be down at the Senior Bowl, is a quarterback guru, knows exactly what he's looking at. I reached out to him this morning and said, hey, Jordan, you're going to be down there. I need you to come on the podcast. I need you to talk about these great QBs. And so we're, we're going to have all kinds of expertise, plus probably these quarterbacks as well sometime during the week. So guys, keep with us. Stay with us. We're going to have so much fun content with you. But before we move on, KG, to kind of everybody else, if you will, there's one last guy I want to talk about, and it's in the trenches, of course, yeah, Zion Matt, Johnson. We don't need to find another expert to talk about Zion. We have you. So break <laughs> My girl, that's right. Come on, come on. I, I'm excited for Zion too. I, I might even throw him in to the Jermaine Johnson, Mario Goodrich conversation of guys that can really rise. And, and you know, I think right now he he's going to be the first guard taken. It's just who, where, when. You know, who wants to make that pick and, and who's going to take him? Can he sneak in, you know, to, to pick... 25 through 32, the back half of the first round, or is he going to be a, a top tier on day two in round two? Uh, just a thick guy. He's compact. He's going to be a fantastic, you know, run blocker that really upgrades somebody right away in that regard, but also very smooth and very patient in his pass pro. And what does that mean? That allows him to pick up games easier. It allows him to to see things through. A lot of times, when you have these really aggressive run blockers, what they'll do in pass pro is just want to jump on something quick and just grab it. And so at, at that same breath, you get on different levels, you mess up games, and that's where you see some quarterback sacks happen very easily. But he's a guy that can be really patient, has a great punch, um, very similar to uh, Big Icky uh, that, that you know is a, is a sophomore, a junior, so he's not eligible for this game. But they, they are very similar in regards to the physicality and the violence uh, that they play with. I think his versatility will be big as well. Jim talked about that a little bit. He's going to play some center. He can play either guard. But I think left guard is his spot, and he's uh, he's going to thrive for many years to come. I can't wait to see what Zion does. And one thing I'm very excited about, Mac, with practice, and I've seen this when I've been to a couple of Clemson practices, you don't realize 
how massive these guys are until you're actually on the field. And it, it gives you a whole different perspective. So I am, I'm very intrigued to see that because these dudes are just behemoths. Mac, let's hit on some of these other guys who are going to be there from the ACC. You've got Damari Mathis, DB from Pittsburgh, Cal Adamitis, the long snapper from Pittsburgh, Amari Barno, edge rusher from Virginia Tech, Lasita Smith, offensive lineman, Virginia Tech, and Trey Turner, wide receiver from Virginia Tech. So three Hokies down there, Mac. When you look at those five guys, two Panthers, three Hokies, who do you expect to see? Like, who are we going to be talking about after the Senior Bowl from those five guys? Yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting, and I think it's going to come down to Amari Barno, who is kind of a unique, raw, situational prospect. Like, he's 6'6", 240. Where are we going to put him? Are we going to put him at defensive end? Are we going to put him at outside linebacker and let him rush the, the quarterback? You know, he really when he made that transition in 2020, he burst onto the scene and, and led the league in sacks, had an unbelievable tackle for loss rate. Um, but I think that he is going to be a guy that it just takes time. It's a little bit of a project. Let's get him in there. Let's make him situational his first two or three years. Go get after the quarterback. And if he shows great production, then let's build from there and, and really turn him into a, a, a nice defensive end for years to come or an outside linebacker, wherever he decides to go with that. The other guy's Trey Turner. And, and listen, we call him Big Play Trey for a reason. This guy is throw it up, let him go get it. His 50-50 ball is more like 70-30. He, he's shown the circus catch time and time again in college. And I, I like to call him a hand catcher. He, he plucks the ball out of the air. And, and so think about like a, a Hunter Renfro, for instance, a guy that, man, he's going to catch that thing. He's going to have it close to his body, and he's going to secure it and, and just absorb a hit. Trey will go up and pluck that ball out of the air and, and really kind of like a Odell Beckham Jr., you know, go and get it. And uh, just just really a, a good guy. So I think between those two, it's going to be really interesting to see who rises quickest. I think when you look at Lasitas, he, he's probably – he's going to be the most consistent, I think. I, I don't know if there's really a, a much higher ceiling that he can get to. I mean, he's going to be a big, powerful guard – He's going to help that run game instantaneously for whoever he goes to. But the one concern that I kind of have there is is just overall length. I think if when you look at pass, and this is a a, a passing league, like everybody is is going to throw the football, and, and at least people that win, they they just have to. And we we've seen that certainly in the playoffs this past season. But length can hurt him if he has these big, tall, you know, six five-plus defensive tackles or defensive ends, getting those arms extended, those rush specialists, I think that's something that that maybe could hurt him. Uh, but he's got a chance to show that. We'll we'll see a bunch of different guys here. Uh, Damari, you know, just a, a great cornerback. I, I think a, maybe a seventh-round draft pick, sixth-round sixth draft pick. He's physical. He loves to be down close to the line of scrimmage. But at times that, that you know, showed it hurt him. You know, Pitt does a lot of one-on-one, and you're, you're going to be on an island. You're going to be – exposed whether it's good or bad uh but i think you know there's certainly an aspect where he can maybe be you know kind of that uh nickel sam type of guy that nickel db and you know, really just be physical with guys on the line of scrimmage kind of that short to medium defender and then big cal excited to see him down there i mean the, the things that he has done off the field this year have been tremendous he's been the number one long snapper in the acc for a couple of years now and you know just to see him take the next step i certainly think that you know he could end up being a draft pick I love it, Mac. I'm excited to watch these Panthers and Hokies this week and see who can really emerge. When I think of a guy like Trey Turner, this is this is not a knock on Burmeister and all that, but 
we know Virginia Tech's passing game was was rough this year. And Turner just didn't get as many opportunities as probably he deserved. So when he's walking out there and he's getting to play with some of these quarterbacks in this game, I bet he is thrilled. I mean, this is a very exciting opportunity for him. KG, I mean, you, you talk about quarterback play. You look at Malik Willis, Bailey Zappi, and Sam Howe. I mean, guys that can absolutely air it out. I think big play Trey, he's going to be happy with the situation. And here's the deal. I mean, when you're going in practice, you're in these one-on-ones, you're making these quarterbacks look good. If Trey is able to do the things that he was at Virginia Tech, make some noise early in practice, that's who the guys are going to go to in the game. That's who they're going to be comfortable. They're, they're going to be like, okay, this is my blanket right here. This is who I'm going to, my security blanket. So it, it's going to be fascinating to see how these guys grow, how they get comfortable with each other. One more thing I want to add before we kind of get out of here, KG, and sadly it has nothing to do with the ACC. This tight end class, for in general, is unbelievable. But the guys that they have at the Senior Bowl, they're going to be so good. So you talk about that that security blanket and go-to guy. I think the tight end production is going to be better this year than maybe maybe we've ever seen at the Senior Bowl. So it's going to be very fascinating to get down there and and to really you know see all these guys up close and personal when practice starts. Spoken like a former tight end, Mac. I uh, <laughs> that's right. You're excited. And one of my other personal goals this week at the Senior Bowl is to see how many Reese's I can eat. So. I will keep you guys updated on that, as, of course, the Senior Bowl is brought to you by Reese's. Um, It's going to be quite the adventure. And, Mac, we want to thank our amazing producer, Richmond Weaver, who is down here with us in Mobile, making sure we sound right, getting our mic set up. He's going to be helping us with interviews. And he also has, you know, like five other podcasts. I mean, he's the busiest guy in the world. So check out (laughs) Rich Take on Sports. We've been on there. It's a great long-form podcast. And check out Automatic with Steffi Sorensen a men's and women's hoops podcast. And uh, he will be kind of the man behind the magic this week down in Mobile. But Mac, we're excited. We're here. We're going to hopefully end up at Felix's Fish Camp. And I am ready. Come on, KG. I'm ready too. It's going to be a fun week. I'm going to try to match you with your goal with uh, the Reese's. What's the over-under per day? Is it, let's go with cups because we we don't know how they're going to be packaged. Over-under... Four Reese cups a day. Okay, Mac. Obviously, you have um, you are more skilled in this area than I. I I, I can't put down as much. Food Wait as a you, minute. What does that mean? What does that mean? It just means it just means I'm a five nine tiny little woman, and you're a big big dude. Um, but you know, I think I think my goal. I'll, I'll set the goal at three a day. And if I can get yes, over that, no, I mean, the answer is under. You're saying under. You're saying under. I put it at four. You're saying under. Best. I'm going to do my best. That's okay? unbelievable. You got to save unbelievable. room for Felix's fish camp. <laughs> I'm trying to get we'll some make it scrimp. happen, guys. That's right. Some scrimp down in uh, Mobile, Mobile, Alabama. Uh, th- this was a ton of fun. We're going to have so much stuff for you guys. Check out social media. Check out anywhere that you can get your podcast. Uh, but that's it. Another great episode. Gramlick and MacLane brought to you by our friends over at Duke's Mayo. If you haven't already, go over to iTunes, follow our podcast, drop us a little five-star rating, write us a review. We greatly appreciate that. But until next time, we'll see y'all.